At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Henry Lopez, co-host of the How of Business podcast. Do you want to be your own boss and start your own business? Do you aspire to be an entrepreneur and enjoy the freedom of time and location? So what's holding you back from getting started? How do you know if you're actually ready to be your own boss? I would like to invite you to join me for an online program that will help you clearly understand if you are in fact ready. And if you're not quite ready, what do you need to do to get there? To find out more about my online program, please visit thehowofbusiness.com for more information. Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Roy Austin. Roy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Henry. My privilege. We're glad to have you with us today, Roy. Roy is a CPA, a business owner, a business coach, a trainer, a speaker, and an author. Uh, He currently coaches clients to improve profits, manage risk, and prepare for the future. Roy describes himself as a coach, not a consultant. He says, consultants tell you what to do, coaches teach you how to do which is perfect for us, obviously, with our theme being the how of business. Uh, Roy is a decorated Vietnam War veteran and has over 37 years of experience in the business world. In 2007, he founded Rockwell Business Solutions to provide coaching, mentoring, and seminars for small businesses. Roy is the uh, author of the upcoming book, The Alligator Business Solution, although by the time this episode goes live, that book in all likelihood will be available, and you can find it uh, online as well as through a link on the show notes page for this episode. So the Alligator Business Solution, which we will chat about today, uh, Roy describes it as the, this book as a user's manual for small business. So definitely very interesting to us. So in this episode, we're going to chat about Roy's entrepreneurial journey, how he got to where he is today, and some tremendous advice on building a successful small business. Roy and his wife live in Bluffton, South Carolina. And between them, they have four children and seven grandchildren. And he's an avid tennis player, which is fantastic to know. So once again, Roy, Austin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. It is Bluffton, South Carolina, right? Correct. <clears throat> How long have you been in that part of the country? Been here 17 years. Oh, wow. Okay. So quite some time. What took you to that part of the world there? Well, I uh, I retired from Eastman Chemical uh, and uh, took a job in Savannah, Georgia, which is only about a half an hour from Bluffton. I see. Okay. So, uh, 
It's a delightful part of the country, just a half an hour from Savannah and a half an hour from Hilton Head. Wonderful. Yeah, great part of great part of the country to be in. All right, we'll get started with uh, with your journey, and we'll, we'll kind of take some steps along the way, because obviously you've, you've been at it for quite some time, have many years of experience. If I understood the sequence correctly, you took accounting uh, classes or went to school for accounting and got your CPA first. Is that right? Did I get that chronology no, right? The other, actually, the other way around. Okay. Uh, I went to Bethany College in West Virginia, got an uh, undergraduate in uh, economics, and uh, math, and then went on to Michigan State to get an MBA. I see. <clears throat> and after that, I, of course, went into Vietnam, and I, after I got out of there, I went to work for Eastman Chemical. And in 1980, they transferred me into the accounting department, and I had no clue what I was doing. Wow. Uh, so I thought I better learn, or else my, my uh, career may be not lasting too much longer. So I went back to school and eventually got the CPA and the CMA. I see. Okay. Yeah, I definitely had the sequence wrong there. That makes a lot more sense. So before they moved into accounting at Eastman, is that when you were in sales or what were you doing there before? I, I was actually in market research uh, and we did, we did sales forecasting and market research. So uh, uh, accounting is where I told them I didn't want to go. <laughs> Uh, so that's where they put me because I was good with numbers. Uh, and once I went back to school, I found out I loved it yeah. uh, once, once I understood it better. Back when you were at a university working on your bachelor's and then your MBA, what did you think you wanted to do when you grew up? That's a good question, Henry, because back then I didn't have a clue. Uh, I knew I wanted to be in business. Uh, I kind of like the idea of marketing and market research and brand management kind of a thing. Uh, I remember interviewing with Procter & Gamble before, but, uh, you know, I was going into the Armony imminently, so they didn't really want to uh, to take a chance on me. Interesting. Um, and then I met a guy in Vietnam who introduced me to some people at Eastman, and they offered me a job, so I thought, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll I'll figure out how to fit in here somewhere. Yeah. And so when you say you wanted to be in business, did you think back then you wanted your own business or just being part of the business world? No, not really. I mean, my father had his own business, but that wasn't something that really uh, I'd thought that much about. Um, so uh, it, it, it was an interesting evolution. Your dad having a business, what? Uh, tell me a little bit more about what influence you think that had on you. I've observed that sometimes it can have a negative influence because as a child, you only see the hard part of it and the headaches mm -hmm. and the problems, or sometimes it can definitely influence you to want to be an entrepreneur. What was the influence that had on you? Well, you know, it, it was very positive, but I'd never thought about it because when I was much younger, I was very shy and very introverted. I see. Uh, I've overcome that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> uh, his business was very outgoing, very people-oriented. He loved to meet people. Nobody, Everybody was a friend. It didn't matter what, how high or how low your position in life. Um, he just loved people, and, and that was the biggest thing that I took from him. You thought that was a requirement to be successful as a business owner? Yeah, I mean, I was more, uh, I, I hate to put it this way, but a lot of cute computer programmers sit in the back room and uh, they just want to work all day long. And that's sort of where I was back mm -hmm. in the early part of my career. Just leave me alone. Let me do my job and I'll work hard and, uh, and, and 
put out a good product. Yeah. <clears throat> now that you've been around business so long and you, you advise clients, do you think that's that ability to get out there in front of people and communicate with people and be gregarious, even if it's not our nature, is that a requirement to be successful in business and small business anyway? I don't know if it's a requirement, but it's certainly a skill that you can acquire. Uh, and sometimes it, it just takes getting, you know, out of your comfort zone um, and doing things and, and, you know, going to networking events, getting to know people. But the biggest change that I experienced is when I began to think in terms of how could I help other people and not going to meet people and how they could help me. Mm, okay. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a member of Business Network International, and uh, my whole uh, time in there, I was having a very hard time giving referrals to other members because every time I would meet with somebody, I'm thinking about how they could help me. When I started thinking about how I could help them, everything opened up. Yeah. And that, that really changed your perspective as well as, as to how. Oh, yeah. I mean, you start listening for, right. you know, for what they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so you spent 29 years, if I got it right, with Eastman, and then you had controller positions, all in kind of corporate environments. What well, leads, I, is that right? When I left Eastman, I got a, a job for a small manufacturing company in Savannah as okay. their controller, and I did that for a couple of years. And then I uh, had an opportunity to be the chief financial officer for DJ Powers, which is a freight forwarder customs broker, not to be confused with JD Powers. Right. And uh, I did that for seven years and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Would probably still be there, except my wife had a bunch of health problems. Um, and I just, I retired so that from there, so that I could take her wherever we needed to go to, to somebody could figure out what's wrong with her. And about the same time she retired, or, or that I retired, she cured herself. Turned out to be an allergy or a reaction to a medication she'd been taking for years. That left me retired my there's only so much tennis my body can stand uh so i've got to have some problems to solve and some challenges so then i i'd already been doing some coaching and some outsource uh, cfo type work um and uh so i just transitioned that into business coaching and so th this was the first time in your life though that you had done something on your own meaning your own business is that right right well, in a way, I mean, for, for a number of years, I was an Amway distributor, which uh, okay. I, I still use the products. I think they're great, but uh, uh, I, I didn't really make a big go of that. Um, but I, in a way, I was doing that. So, And actually, that, that experience taught me to meet people. Mm, yeah, definitely. I did Amway as well at one point in my life. But that was kind of more what, what now is called a side hustle. This now, when you developed Rockwell Business Solutions, this was a proper business, right? Right. Yeah. So it's just it's fascinating that in retirement, quote unquote, is when you finally decided, hey, I'm going to do my own thing. And it didn't it's not something you did before then. Why do you think that is? I really don't know. I mean, uh, you know, I DJ Powers had several businesses. So the owners asked me to help some out of some of their other businesses. Um and I did a lot of uh, business plans for them. Uh, in 2007 is when I actually formed the company. When my son had uh, bought a swimming pool cleaning business in Knoxville, Tennessee, and he asked for my help to get him started with that. Uh, so uh, you know, I was doing a little bit of it when uh, you know when I 
finally went full time in uh, at the end of two thousand nine. Um, so, having been in more corporate environments your entire career, what are some of those things that were radically different now with a very small business? Well, I think that the biggest problem that people have that when they come out of a, a big corporate environment and they they want to uh, do consulting, let's say, I, I don't like that term, but anyway, they have a hard time scaling the solutions to fit what a small business has the resources or the personnel to do. Um, yeah, that, that's, seen, that's always a big challenge because they're trying to apply these big, right? you know, um, you know, what's it called, sledgehammer solutions to a very yeah. small organization. Um, the other thing I've seen and I struggled with is that in the corporate environment, you have all of this infrastructure. You have departments right. to do things for you. You have people, and then all of a sudden, it's just yourself sometimes. Well, that's right, and that's what I loved working for that manufacturing uh, company and for DJ Powers. I mean, DJ Powers was roughly a $100 million company, but they were small enough that you got involved in everything. Uh, I always felt like I learned more in one year uh, working for these companies than I did in 29 years at Eastman yeah. because you had to be involved in everything. Yeah. So one of the things you talk about as we segue into now your thoughts on starting and growing a business. You say that lots of people have a vague idea of where they want to go, but they never get started. How, how do you, and how do you turn that idea into an action plan? So talk to us about that and your ideas in that area. Well, interestingly enough, some do have a vague idea where they want to go. Surprisingly, many don't. Uh, they know what product or service that they want to provide. Uh, but they're really not sure what their longer-term vision is, so uh, they can tend to float along. Um, and so one of the things when I work with clients is to try to help them establish that long-term vision. Now, that that doesn't mean that they want to be a huge corporation. In fact, the vast majority of small business owners aren't interested in being a, a big corporation. They want to provide a product or service uh, to fulfill a need in their local market, uh, and provide a, a nice living for their family. But they're, uh, you know, most people seem to think that all businesses expire, aspire to be the next Apple, and that's just not true. Right. Uh, so the starting place is to have a vision of where you want to go so that you, you know, you may not know how you're going to get there, but that gives you a sense of direction. And then you want to establish the fundamentals of, of your business. Uh, your fundamental purpose, your fundamental values, your fundamental operating principles, and your fundamental information systems, because these are the things that you want to align all your decision-making with. I mean, your your purpose is why you're in business, uh, other than to make money. What need do you fill? What, what, uh, how do you make the world a better place? How do you help people? Uh, you've got to understand what that purpose is, and measure your decision making, whether it's uh, employees or financial or whatever, uh, back against that purpose. Same for your fundamental values. These are things that you will never compromise. Uh, if you do compromise them, you're going to be in a world of trouble. And so they are they are critical to establish. And and a lot of times people think in terms of moral and ethical values, but those are not the only values that might be important. One one of the companies I interviewed for the book said. You know, one of our core values is we will return phone calls within a couple hours. Mm. That's just 
you know, that's just the way they're going to do business. For another business, that could be one of their operating principles. You know, we return phone calls promptly. And you got to have some information systems set up so that you can uh, be getting feedback on what's going on and changing in your business. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So let's talk about the alligator mentality, as you call it, which is, I'm assuming, at the at the heart of the book as well. But what is the alligator mentality? <laughs> well, the alligator business solution is really both a philosophy and a system for improving the business. And I wrote the book because I saw so many small businesses making the same mistakes, and most of them are not going to reach out for my help. <laughs> uh, but maybe they'll spend $20 on a book. And my fundamental purpose is to help small businesses be more successful. So this is, was just another way to do it. And what I've learned is you really don't make any money on a book. <laughs> right. But, uh, but uh, the, the philosophy is applicable to all types and sizes of organizations and actually to your life. So it, it kind of has some of my core beliefs in there. Uh, but it's really about personal responsibility and accepting the fact that you must manage all the aspects of your business, even the parts you don't like or don't understand. Uh, so the alligator mentality is uh, uh, it starts with you, and you, you have to be the leader. you got to envision what you want. Uh, you have to be what I call a dwit. That means doing whatever it takes. Um, that doesn't mean doing whatever it takes to the you know detriment of your family or your spiritual life but uh, doing whatever it take may mean you have to learn how to do accounting or you have to learn how to do marketing uh, so uh, you you have to have this process in place I believe um, where you are constantly learning and growing and improving in all areas yeah okay so what is the alligator analogy I'm still Trying okay. to catch that. Well, that really grew out of a conversation with my granddaughter, Anna. Uh, I take my grandchildren out for dinner for their birthday, uh, and we were coming back from our date. And she was asking about the book and about alligators where I live. And she lives up in Cookville, Tennessee. And somehow it kind of clicked, because when I first moved to this area, there was an article in the paper about a man who had been sued by his gated community, um, or he sued the community because he'd been attacked by an alligator in the backyard. Hmm. And uh, he got away by uh, sticking his fingers in its eyes. So remember that if you're ever attacked by an alligator. But I believe that to be successful, you don't have to be an expert in all the aspects of your business. But you do have to manage them, and that means knowing where to look, what to look for, and how to use the information. Well, three months after the man was attacked by the alligator, he withdrew his lawsuit. Turns out his wife had been feeding the alligator for two years. That's why it was in his backyard. <laughs> and she didn't she tell him this early on, alligator. I guess. Yeah, she had taught the alligator where to look and what to look for, and it knew what to do with what it found. Sure. Uh, so, now... What I don't know is whether or not she was feeding him on purpose. Ah, good point. <laughs> to attract him there. But. Good point. <laughs> so, all right, so I'm still not getting the alligator reference. What is it about the alligator and how he behaves that you thought applied to this message in the book? Well, two things. Uh, 
operating a small business is like, you know, trying to traverse a a swamp. Uh, It's a beautiful place. It's exciting. A lot of things, but there's awful lot of hazards out there. So as you work your way through the business swamp, you know, one of the uh, 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 hazards out there is alligators who uh, uh, are your competitors and, and they're doing everything they can to take business away from you. Okay, so a bit of the survival of the fittest mentality there. Right. Yep. Uh, but the, uh, the key thing is all an alligator knows is where to look, what to look for, and how to use what it finds. I see. I see. And that, to me, is all a small business owner needs to know. You don't have to be an expert in marketing, but you have to manage that side of the process. You don't have to be an expert in accounting, but you can't just turn the accounting over to somebody and say, ah, my, my CPA work takes care of that. You have to understand enough about the numbers to make intelligent decisions from them. Right. And that's an important point. We talk a lot about on this show, and obviously we're not the only ones that talk about the fact that you need to delegate so that you can grow. But your point, which is the same I believe in, is you may well delegate or outsource that, but that doesn't absolve you of responsibility for knowing what's going on there. Exactly right. This is Henry Lopez co-host of the How of Business podcast. Do you want to be your own boss and start your own business? Do you aspire to be an entrepreneur and enjoy the freedom of time and location? So what's holding you back from getting started? How do you know if you're actually ready to be your own boss? I would like to invite you to join me for an online program that will help you clearly understand if you are in fact ready. And if you're not quite ready, what do you need to do to get there? Perhaps you need help understanding and overcoming your fears. Maybe you're not entirely sure about what it really takes to be ready, willing, and able to become your own boss. My online program is about helping you take the first critical steps towards realizing your dreams of entrepreneurship. I will take you step-by-step through a process that will help you determine if you are in fact ready to be your own boss and specifically identify what you need to do next. To find out more about my online program, please visit thehowofbusiness.com for more information. All right, you mentioned, as you were explaining, leading up to the book, these common or same mistakes that you observed. Can you share a couple of those common mistakes that you've seen small business owners make? I think the number one thing is that small businesses are started by people who know how to do the work. That's why they started the business. You know, they know how to cook. They know how to do landscaping. They know how to do plumbing or whatever. Um, and when you're only one or two people, why uh, that's it, you probably don't have to have a whole lot of infrastructure, so to speak, or have to worry too much about marketing and accounting and so forth. But as you grow, uh, you have to be able to manage those sides of the business. Uh, so uh, I think. Uh, the the small business owner needs um, to be aware of the fact that if they if their vision is to be a little bit bigger than they are right now, they're going to have to acquire some additional skills. Okay, um, so what what type of skills are we talking about? Well, I think you're going to have to have uh, accounting skills. Okay, uh, you have to understand how to read the reports and how to to design. Uh, um, key performance indicators so you know the health of the business. Uh, 
a financial statement is really just historical information. So what is it telling you? How can you make decisions from that? Um, you have to understand enough about the marketing process. Uh, you have to understand how to, to hire the right employees and to keep the good employees. And that's where your fundamentals really comes in strongly. Uh, most people, when they interview, they're looking for a particular education background or a skill set. But even more important than that is whether or not they will fit in with your organization. Uh, if they do, they believe in your fundamental purpose and why you know the problems you're trying to solve and how you're trying to help people. Is that something that that they can really adopt as their own? But are they in tune with your fundamental values? Do they believe that they have the same values that you do? Uh, if they don't, they're probably not going to be a real good fit. Right. Uh, can they uh, operate effectively under what your, your standard operating principles are? Uh, if they have this mentality that this is the way I've always done it in the past with my other employers, eh, maybe they're not going to fit in too well. But those are questions you can ask in the interview process to find out whether they are in tune with your fundamentals. I agree completely, Roy, and we do that in our businesses just to make sure, like you said, we, we even share that with them in the hiring process, actually in the screening process, and sometimes people will weed themselves out. They realize I'm, right. not, I'm not going to be a fit there. Yep. All right, you also help, obviously, with uh, improving profits. When you look at small businesses, can you share a couple of things that are common that, that kind of hurt our profits? Yeah, it's, I mean, and every client is different, so there's no standard answer. So we're going to go in and we're look at the weaknesses and try to help them strengthen them. But the, you, the most common place is the finances. Um, and simple things. Uh, not billing clients in a timely manner uh, is, is one of them. Or not billing for everything. Uh, if you have a, a number of different components that you bill for, it's real easy for stuff to slip through the cracks. But even beyond the billing, the most common thing that I see is people not collecting the receivables, hmm. uh, which means they're working for free. Yeah, uh, They're so busy doing the business that they forget that they have to run the business. Uh, and part of that is uh, collecting on your receivables. Uh, nobody likes to make a collections call. Uh, they're usually uncomfortable. Uh, but there's a really simple way to handle that. Um, you know, most accounting software packages are set up so that you put things in 30, 60, 90-day buckets so you see how old the receivables are. Uh, I tell people if your accounting software will do it, set it up in 25, 50, and 75. And at 25 days, you call the customer for, with a courtesy call and say, look, uh, were you happy with the service or the product? You know, is there anything else we can do to make it better? Uh, did you get the product in a timely manner and so forth? And then oh, at the end of the call, by the way, uh, your invoice is due in a couple of days. And it is astounding how much that uh, increases your collections. Um, when we did it at, D at DJ Powers, it, it, our collection skyrocketed and our day's receivable outstanding went, went way down. Yeah, I can imagine so. That's a great tip to use that as an opportunity to reach out um, proactively mm -hmm. 
And people love that when, when you actually ask them and if you're genuine about what you're asking, it, it's an outreach from a customer service perspective, but then you're reminding right. them not so subtly that, hey, your invoice is due. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a great technique. That To me, if I, ask, if I ask a business owner who has receivables to tell me their key numbers, you know, what's your day's outstanding, for example, and they can't answer that question, that's probably a business that's either in trouble or headed yes. for trouble. Yeah. yeah, you're exactly right. You, you have to know those key measures. If you don't have receivables or other things, you might have inventory that you're worried about or other right. issues, but you have to be on top of those key numbers. All right, you've been in business a long time. I'm curious as to what you have observed that has stayed the same or pretty close to the same and what you have seen that has changed dramatically in the way that we do business? Well, what has stayed the same is that the, the basic principles for success have existed for thousands of years. They, they have not changed. You know, how you deal with people, that's been around for a long time. So a lot of the basics for success hasn't changed. The biggest things that have changed is technology and logistics. How you deliver your product has changed, and uh, all the technology. And uh, some small business owners that I've run into are a little resistant to that because they're just they're so caught up in running the business or doing the work that they forget to realize, hey, you need to, to take advantage of social media. You at least need to understand whether or not it's applicable to your business. Uh, it may not be in all cases, but in in most cases, there's some things that that, that will help your business with. There are software tools out there that can help you be more effective and efficient. So uh, keeping up with technology is is really a key, and it's a challenge because it's changing so fast. Oh my goodness, yeah. Uh, and uh, you. You will never be an expert in all this stuff. All you can hope to do is to be a little bit better than you were before. Yeah. Yeah. Continue to learn. Right. And uh, continue to and get help when you need it, obviously. Yeah. All right. Great. Thanks for sharing that insight. Um, if you look back now, Roy, and I'm not talking about regrets, but if you look back now, would you have become a business owner sooner or did it work out just fine the way it is? In a lot of ways, it worked out just fine. Uh, if I could go back in time, if anything, I probably would have uh, uh, branched out uh, from the big corporate world sooner to smaller corporations just because you learn so much mm. more. Smaller businesses, like I say, you get involved in every aspect of it. Uh, so you, your experience and your learning is broadened exponentially. Yeah, that makes sense. What do you love most about what you do today? I like seeing the light come on in somebody's eyes when they realize that they can reach a goal that they didn't think they could or they understand a new way of looking at or improving their business. Um, yeah, it's nice to get paid for it, but more importantly is uh, are we making a contribution to somebody's success and helping them out? And when they get excited, uh, I had one guy that uh, – when, when we first started working together, he said his vision was to have $250,000 in sales. And then as we continued, he said, well, it's a half a million. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, I, you know, I give all my clients reading assignments and homework assignments. And he came back uh, uh, the next week and he said, my goal is $2 million. And I said, what happened? And he said, 
you gave me an exercise to do that helped open my eyes to figure out, hey, I could, I see how to get this done. Now, I think that two million was always his goal. Mm. He just didn't know how to get there. Yeah, or he, and he might have been too embarrassed to share that that was really right. his goal. But, um, yeah, but so help, helping but, people expand that vision for themselves is really um, something that's rewarding, isn't it? Yes, it, it's tremendously rewarding. And So assignment of reading, to that end, is there a book that comes to mind that you would recommend to our yeah. listeners? Yeah, there's uh, probably my favorites are E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber, um, The Great Game of Business by Jack Stack, and of course, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. You cannot possibly uh, ever improve your your people skills enough. Um, that's, that's a continuous process, and just reading the book one time is probably not going to help you. Uh, it's one of the books that I read virtually every night. Uh, really? Just a little Interesting. Bit. So um, you just read a section out of it, and do you? Yeah. What do you do? You highlight. I, I tend to go through and I highlight my books, the, those types of books. How do you okay. kind of consume it? I got highlights. I've got underlines. I've got little uh, uh, tabs to stick on tabs to to go back to particular places. Um, and another one that I found that's really good is called Start with Why. And I, the author's name escapes me right now, but it is Simon Sinek. Yeah. Simon Sinek, and it it really is good because if you understand why you're doing some, what your purpose is, which is fits right in with my philosophy, um, a lot of your business functions can get aligned better. Yeah, these are all fantastic books. Thanks for those recommendations. We'll have links to all of those as well as your book. By the time this episode goes live, your book will probably be out. And so we'll have links to it as well in the show notes page. Um, before we wrap it up, though, Roy, can you give me the, the brief elevator pitch on the services that you offer at Alligator Business Solutions? Sure. Well, it's Rockwell Business Solutions. Oh, that's right. It's the, Alligator, it's the Alligator Business Solution. Rockwell is the name of the business. That's Sorry the about that. Yeah. But, I mean, our fundamental purpose at Rockwell Business Solutions is to help small businesses be more successful through coaching, through training, speaking engagements, and outsource CFO services. Great. And so where would you like people to go to find out more about the business and about you? My website is rockwellbusinesssolutions.com. Um, and if you want to know even more about me, you can go to my LinkedIn profile. Wonderful. And we'll have links to that on the show notes page as well. I will right, we'll wrap it up with this, Roy. Any last thought or parting piece of advice or something I didn't ask you that you think is worth sharing? Uh, I think two things, uh, Henry. Uh, number one, be the best you that you can be. And number two, get contrary opinions. Hmm. All too often, people have a great idea that they think everybody in the world loves, and they go to their friends and their relatives and say, what do you think? And they all don't want to discourage them so the friends and relatives say, sure, that sounds like a good idea. So they go and invest hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it turns out not too many people think that's a great idea. Um, just because somebody disagrees with your idea doesn't mean they're right. But it should force you to think 
so that you can and reevaluate what you're doing. And if you can't come up with a good logical reason and evidence as to why you're right and they're wrong, maybe you need to rethink your position. Yeah. This is a tough one, though, Roy, because as you alluded to it, you have to be careful who you ask. And, right. um, and I always find that I, I like to ask other business owners, other entrepreneurs, because they, they kind of know where you're coming from. You get, you get what I'm saying? If yeah. you ask people who have not been in business, sometimes they'll shoot it down because mm -hmm. they're afraid of doing something like that. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you're right, but I, I, had a, a, I was having dinner with a friend of mine one night, and uh, he was asking about the book, and I was telling him something that was in it, and he very kindly said, Roy, he said, I don't agree with you. Now, he was a propulsion engineer. He'd never been in business for himself. And I said, you know, why is that, Robert? And he proceeded to explain why he disagreed. Um, and, of course, naturally, when somebody disagrees with you, you know, you kind of get a little defensive and you think, now, wait a minute. Sure. But, I, I you know, I, I thought serious about what he had to say, and he was right. And he forced me to rethink my position um, and go in a slightly different track. Uh, that is unbelievably valuable. Uh, but as you say, a lot of times people are afraid that, you know, I don't want somebody to disagree with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Especially when it comes to something you've put in a book, because now you have that true sense of authorship, and we get very defensive of that. Yeah. But it's a so great, great perspective. Did you always have, to the first point, did you always have that philosophy of, uh, putting uh, my best forward, doing the, to the best of my abilities and always doing that level of work. Is that something that was instilled in you since day one, I suspect? Yeah, that, I mean, as far as work ethic and wanting to do quality work and, and working hard, that's uh, been with me forever. Yeah. What hasn't been with me uh, and what I've learned over the years is to get those contrary opinions. Mm. I was always, when I was much younger, I was very afraid to ask questions. Um because then you, you know, you know, I didn't want people to know that I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, eventually learned that, no, that's the opposite approach. People appreciate it. They take you more seriously when you ask questions. Uh, they're happy to educate you. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a valuable skill, I think, to, to acquire. Yeah, agree with you completely. Fantastic. Well, Roy, this has been a great conversation. Thanks for sharing your, your vast knowledge and experience. Looking forward to the book to be released, which again, the book is called The Alligator Business Solution. And that'll be in a link in the show notes page of this episode. So Roy, thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me, Henry. It's been a privilege. My pleasure, sir. This is Henry Lopez. You've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, we would Welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you join us on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.